Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sports Mill Podcast. I am your host, Quay Miller. We have another very special episode today. We're getting closer and closer to the NFL Draft. We already released an episode evaluating the quarterback class for this year. And today I have another guest joining me. He's been on here before. Talk about fantasy football. We're talking about real football this time. I want to welcome John Hancock back uh, to, into the podcast. Newly engaged John Hancock. I want everybody to know that. Um, but John, let's start first. We're going to do a big mock draft, everyone, and kind of give you our thoughts on all the players, all the teams. Let's go back to the quarterback class uh, that we talked about last episode. Uh, I think you listened to what Sully had to say about his top five. Uh, where do your rankings align with Sully's? Yeah, uh, thanks, Clay. It's good to be back on the pod. Um, yeah, I got a chance to listen to Sully's thoughts, um, which was really funny because I thought a lot about what I wanted to say. And then Sully kind of said everything that I was thinking already. Uh, he like out of the gate, like one of the really big things I wanted to talk about was Kenny Pickett. And he said all the all the stuff I was thinking about Kenny Pickett. Um, and then he like went down the list. We ended up having the same top four. Uh, I know you talked about Sam Howell. I honestly don't really want to talk about Sam Howell. <laughs> <laughs> um, but overall, like you, you talked about this quarterback class kind of having a lot of question marks. And that's exactly how I see this one. Um, I think that there are some some different kind of guys in here. Like all of them bring something different to the table. Um, but overall, I don't know if there's one that I would hang my hat on and be like, okay, I really think that this guy is going to be the guy that you want to draft uh, to turn your franchise around. And that's kind of unfortunate for a few teams that are quarterback needy uh, that might push themselves into taking a guy that, they really shouldn't. Um, but I'll start with Kenny Pickett because I also had him fourth. Um, I think Kenny Pickett is getting pushed up draft boards, uh, getting talked about a lot, obviously for his big year that he had. Um, he, he'd been a multi-year starter, but have really found like very limited success until this year. Uh, and then out of nowhere, he had, throws uh, – 40 touchdowns this year is kind of a Heisman contender. And uh, people are talking about him as a really improved player. I think that is legitimate. I think that he really improved um, with ball placement. Uh, he, he became a pretty accurate passer. Um, but I think that you look at Kenny Pickett and there's still like a misunderstanding of, of who he really is. And maybe the quarterback evaluating process, like, his stats are not going to completely correlate to the NFL. That It doesn't happen that way. Um, and Kenny Pickett, I think that, you know, you talk about him as like the most pro ready. That's what a lot of people are throwing around. Um, I think that they're just saying he's the most experienced. He's one of the most experienced quarterbacks, but I don't necessarily think he's the most pro ready. Uh, he is one of the more polished passers. Um, he does have functional mobility, uh, can move around in the pocket. But I think that the big drawback with Kenny Pickett is you look at him and you say, okay, what, what is he really great at? What is he going to help you win by doing? And I don't think you can pinpoint any one thing. Uh, you even talked about Sully as a processor. He's a little bit overrated, I think. Um, I don't think that he uh, really – always makes the right decision 
And that's kind of what you're banking on this guy being when you're saying he's the multi-year, most polished guy, NFL ready. He's not really that. Um, and when you when you pair that with like the limited tools, uh, he, he he's, doesn't have a weak arm, but he definitely doesn't have the arm strength that a couple of the other guys in this class have. Uh, I think that it, it really gives him limited upside. And I don't think that he also has the floor that people talk about. So um, I've seen some people talk about Carolina, maybe taking him sixth. I think that would be a huge mistake. Um, and I, I personally, if they go quarterback, I, I'd rather them go uh, some different directions or just wait, uh, not, not take anybody that high. Let me cut in here, John, because we were kind of talking about on, on that last episode, you know, I think you brought up a good point there that, you know, pick it the most experienced, like pro ready, if you will, what does that even really mean? But when we were looking at all these guys, none of them really have, they're all missing something, right? I think Ritter is probably the most like, he sees the field pretty well, but he's kind of stiff. We were talking about he's got some issues with accuracy. You got, you know, Malik Willis. What really is he? We don't really know. Obviously, Corral has some problems as well. So when looking at this quarterback class, is there anyone, or even if you don't have a name, but could you see any of these guys developing into like a, a top-tier quarterback? Or is this one of those classes where maybe, you know, a good starter at best? So – I kind of see Desmond Ritter not as that guy. And you you mentioned him a second ago. I do think that he's a little bit – he's better than Kenny Pickett. He's like more of what people want Kenny Pickett to be as far as process. He he sees the field better. He makes better decisions usually. He just has some of the same limitations uh, on his arm. Uh, And when he's bad, he's bad. (laughs) Um, I really think Malik Willis is the guy that I would gamble on in this class. Um. He has obviously his flaws. Uh, he is not polished. He has a huge arm, but there are times where he's all over the place uh, with his accuracy, with his placement. But he does have, I think, easily the best arm in the draft. And uh, he is a really good runner as well. So he gives you that um, that high upside with his run game and also high floor. Uh, you know, you look at what Jalen Hurts brings to the Eagles I think Malik Willis would give you something similar as far as he gives you that stable floor um as a runner and if you can develop him as a passer he can really he can elevate uh his game I I think higher than the other guys can um and I think also one thing that's maybe not talked about enough for Malik Willis everybody who talks about him um who has been in in the building with him has worked with him has been his teammate they have nothing but good things to say about his leadership and his character um and i think that he can be that that quarterback to like lead the offense uh but he does have his weaknesses um as far as pre-snap and going through progressions uh he gets a little scared when the play play breaks down it's easy for him to drop his eyes and just want to take off Uh, and he needs to to get better at processing and becoming a more accurate passer uh, but I think that if you looked at him, you could see like a, maybe like a his game is different. But Josh Allen, in a similar way that he's got all of the physical tools and upside, and a coach, I could see like looking at that and saying, okay, I can fix what's wrong with this guy, and he's got the intangibles uh, and the leadership to help us win. Right. 
I want to bring Sully in here really quickly, and we'll kind of get into the full picture here in a minute. But both of y'all looking at Willis, both of you have him as number one, obviously. Is he worth a top 10 pick? Is he worth the Panthers taking him at six? Or if not them, a team jumping up? Obviously, both of you think at least he has some type of potential. Yeah, I don't I don't think I would criticize a team for taking him, um, at, you know, at eight or nine if Atlanta or Seattle decides that they really like him and they want um, want that to be their guy. But I think John brought up a good point with Jalen Hurts and the Eagles in that one of the reasons Hurts has been able to be very successful on the in the ground game is that the Eagles have one of the most big physical offensive lines in the entire NFL. And if Willis goes to a team that is still working, then there's offensive line is still a work in progress. And I think all three of the teams in the <laughs> yeah. top 10 that would consider taking a quarterback are in that situation, like Carolina, Atlanta, and Seattle, none of those three teams have a, an offensive line that's ready to be elite. I think you're looking at a more difficult adjustment for him because he's the, the ground game is not going to be as easy for him. Um, the other thing that I wanted to add that I thought John brought up that was a good point. And I, re- I read this tweet today by Ben Baldwin, who's a writer with the athletic. And he said, I think the guys that you want to spend a first round pick on were either extremely, extremely accurate in college. That's Burrow, Mac Jones, et cetera, or the guys that have insane physical tools. And that's guys like Josh Allen, Mahomes or Herbert. And I think that's, it's not necessarily a statement of fact, but it's an interesting way to look at it. And I think that's why there's so many questions about uh, Pickett and Ritter is because they don't really, they don't really fall into either of those camps. I mean, maybe Mm -hmm. some people would consider Pickett, in that elite accuracy camp, I'm not sure I would. And I think that's why it's difficult to really picture either of those guys having a, a superstar level career. Yeah. Go ahead, John. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think spending a first round pick on a guy, it, it's almost bound to happen. Um, I honestly, I don't think I would do it in this draft. Um, and even with Malik Willis, it's just such a, roll the dice scenario but some of these guys might get pushed into it by their gm um but to sully's point he really he needs a good offensive line especially early on in his career while he's still developing and that's just not going to happen early on um in the draft uh i yeah i'm still really struggle with where i kind of want him to end up um and there's talk of like like the Steelers, maybe I've, I've heard that thrown out there. I could see that as being an interesting uh, landing spot for him, but I, I'm still not really sure on that one. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I think, you know, we talked about this on the last episode, but quarterbacks are such like a, you have to take one in the first round and Willis seems to be the one that's most likely to be bitten on, if you will, by a team. So I think he will go pretty early. It'll just be a matter of, of which team. All right, we, we, you brought this up, John, and, and we were talking about it uh, before we, we started, that this year's draft is kind of really hard to predict, and I think it might be because of that, like, there's no, normally there's a quarterback who, all right, he's going one, and then everything else kind of falls into place, but there's so many prospects that are at or around that same level, or, you know, we don't, there's some that are more experienced, but there might be some who are younger who could end up being better, so it's like, who really is those top overall prospects so before we get into our mock draft, which we will here in a second, who do you think is the best overall player in this draft? And I'm not talking about who should go number one, like fit-wise or need-wise, but who do you think the best player is in this draft? And we'll start with you, John. 
Yeah, this is one I I kind of went back and forth on because there are a few players that kind of stand out a little bit, but I I had trouble picking just one guy. Um, I think I might go for best all around at what they do, probably Kyle Hamilton. Um, and I know that that's he, – he's been slipping down boards recently um, I, because of the 40 time for sure. But uh, his athleticism shows up a lot better on tape. And what he does – um, he shows a lot of instincts to really overcome some of uh, the questions about his 40 time. Uh, and he can still get around the field really well. So I, I don't see the 40 time as a really big issue. And you can move him around in so many ways that I think that it, it mitigates a lot of those questions. Yeah. Yeah. So who's I, your number one? I think and with Hamilton, I think if you have any questions about the the speed, if you just go back and watch the play against Florida State where he covers like two thirds of the length yeah. of the field to track down the ball on the sideline, your questions about his speed start to start to just fade away. Because like you mentioned, even with the 40, his instincts and his quickness are, are still off the charts. So, yeah, I think I think that's an interesting pick for sure. And just because of positional value, he obviously he's not going to go. um you know, number one to the Jaguars, but I agree. He's one of the guys you have to consider. I think like John mentioned, you kind of have to separate this and look at it in the different position groups, because I think Aquanu is probably my favorite tackle. I think both Stingley and Gardner have an argument to be considered in this discussion. Um, and then you still have the edges uh, like Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchison. Some people would still have Thibodeau that high. Um, I think for me, it would be Aquanu. I think he has, the ability to be a really good all around um, tackle. And I think he and Neil actually might be one and two for me. Like, I think I like the tackles more than um, more than the edge guys in this class. Um, but I think two guys that should be considered in that are both Gardner and Stingley um, as well. I think those guys are both elite talents. Yeah. It's interesting. And you know, what we're talking about here is so um, kind of shows how the draft goes because John said Kyle Hamilton, and like you said, in the real draft is slipping. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Sully brought up guys who are probably not going to be taking number one all overall either. So that's just an interesting dichotomy of, you know, team need. I think I, I think I tend to agree with Sully, though, about the edge rushers are, you know, if you, depending on what dra- uh, mock draft you look at, maybe one, two, three. I don't really love, like, Hutchinson is good, but I don't see him as being, you know, this elite talent in the NFL forever. Uh, you don't know what Thibodeau is or Walker. So I think I would go either Aquanu or, or Neil as well. And then I think Ahmad Gardner is going to be a really good corner. Obviously, you, corners are hit or miss. But I think I would kind of tend to lean with Sully there as well. Um, John, you have any – you think you want to say Oh, uh, no, I, I do really like Sauce Gardner a lot. I, I think I would have him uh, as my top corner in this. Um, but I'm probably – as an Alabama fan, I'm probably biased because he played so well against us. Um, yeah. And I, I think that I, – I don't think that you have any questions with Sauce Gardner. Like, he he performed all year long and against elite competition. Yeah. Last thing we'll talk about before we get into the mock draft. Um, John brought this up to me. You know, Trayvon Walker has risen up draft board seemingly from, you know, he wasn't even considered one of the top picks until recently, kind of. And I think this is one of those things where Georgia's defense was so good last year, it created value for every player on that defense. And now we're looking at six or seven guys being taken around the first round. I don't know if that's warranted or not. 
But is this, you know, the best defensive class maybe that we've seen from a team as far as where they're going to go and their actual ability? And either one of you can answer that that question first. I think yeah, John, that, you can go ahead. I, 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 think, I think they have – I mean, they have a lot of guys worth drafting. I think they have five first-rounders on that defense. I think it might be the best physically talented defense we've ever seen. I mean, you look at – those five guys, I, I would have it as uh, Tr- Trayvon Walker, uh, Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, Devontae White, and Lewis Seen. All of those guys are like really good athletes, if not otherworldly. And you just don't see that very often. I mean, we've, as Alabama fans, me and Clay, we've seen Alabama have really good, really talented defense uh, defenses where guys go high, but they didn't test as well athletically as these guys. I'm also really mad at Scott Cochran because when he was at Alabama, all he did was get uh, ACLs torn, and then he goes to Georgia, and they produce this kind of defensive talent. Uh, I think he was holding out on us. Um, no, but I, I really – I think if I had to pick an underrated one right now that people are kind of hating on in the pre-draft process is probably N'Kobe Dean. Uh, he had some some injury issues. He uh, didn't test uh, when he – when he did, he, uh, he didn't do very well. Um, N'Kobe Dean, you look at him on tape, he's very instinctive. He's, he always seems to be around the ball. And I also athletically don't have questions about him because you watch him play. He plays really fast. Uh, he sees where the ball is going to be going, and he runs there. And usually he gets there before anybody else does. Um, I, I'm overall just not sure why people are so low on the Kobe Dean right now. And I think somebody's going to take him mid to late first and get kind of a steal. I personally could see Belichick falling in love with him. I know he's met with the, the Patriots pre-draft. Yeah, I think it's interesting with Dean because, you know, all, all we've heard recently is, oh, the linebacker position is getting smaller and faster. And then all of a sudden it's, well, N'Kobe Dean has short arms and he's kind of small, so we don't like him that much. And it's like, isn't, isn't this what where the NFL is going in terms of linebacker play? You want these guys that are instinctive and go across, the, can play the full length of the field. And I think um, it's it, I think it's interesting that you two of the guys you really like are Hamilton and Dean, because I think you there's similar arguments to be made for both of those guys in, in that their instincts and um, just their ability – when they're on the field um, shows through and should, should prove any other, any doubters about the numbers off the field um, wrong. But yeah, I also think a guy um, that I'll, I'll bring up a little bit that I think has gotten a little overshadowed is Devonte Wyatt, just because, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think I would prefer Jordan Davis over Wyatt, but I think those guys are right next to each other. And because Davis is like the fun story of how huge and how ridiculously athletic he is, no one really is talking about Wyatt, but I think both these guys have potential to be elite defensive tackles. And it wouldn't surprise me if one and maybe even two of these guys go in the top 10 to 15 picks in uh, on Thursday night. And I think what makes this Georgia defensive class special, if you will, is they're like Bama has had some really good 
defensive classes, but it's been kind of all over the place. Like these are like the backups to the backups <laughs> are going in the first round. You know, like Devontae White and Jordan Davis kind of play the same position. You know, Channing Tindall was like the fourth linebacker. We didn't mention him, but he's going to get drafted pretty decently high. Like he's not going to be a you know seventh rounder. So there, it's just such a like well-rounded class, and I mean it goes to show you that you know maybe they really that national championship as much as I hate to say it, you know it wasn't a fluke. You know they had a really good defense. Period. Yeah, and Jermaine Johnson uh, transferred from Georgia to Florida State. Yeah, and, and he's, after last season, he's going to be a top fifteen yeah. to pick off the edge too. Like they they had they have four def- they had four defensive linemen on that twenty twenty team that are going to go in the top twenty. Right. Yeah, it's it's insane and. It'll be interesting to see how many they get and where they fall in the first round or even in the early second. But uh, definitely could be could be one of the greatest defensive classes we've seen from a college in a while. All right, that's all our topics we got to cover before we get into our mock drafts. We're gonna take a quick break on our end and then we'll be right back and we're gonna start with the number one pick and go through the entire first round uh, with our mock draft. So we'll be right back with that. All right, we're going to officially draft the first round of the NFL draft this year. This is just our personal mock draft. I have told both John and Sully, as well as myself, we're going to try to draft as realistically as possible. This is not what we want to see, uh, although it can be that. But more so, we want to actually act like we are the teams, what they need, uh, and who fits there. Um, So hopefully, obviously, I'm not saying we're going to be spot on because you never know what teams are going to do, but this is... Going to be kind of the thought process that a lot of the teams are actually using. Uh, we're going to obviously go one after the other. John will have the first pick, Sully second, and I have the third, and we'll go to the end of the first round. Um, so, John, I'll just go ahead and hand it over to you, and then we'll go from there. We're going to try, after every pick, very briefly talk about why that team is, uh, you know, picks them, how that would work, and then we'll go from there. All right, so with the first pick, uh, this is something that's been – uh, very recently rumored, uh, you know, they talked about Aiden Hutchinson for a long time, but uh, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars probably will take Trayvon Walker uh, with the first overall pick. Um, so I think that I think that this this is an interesting pick for them because I think they could go other directions with uh, maybe positions they need a little bit more. But uh, I think that he is a really good player. Uh, we talked about all of the, the athleticism for all of the Georgia players. Um, but I think that he also plays a really good game all around. Uh, as a pass rusher, he probably needs to work on his secondary moves some more. Um, but he still has a lot of ability. Uh, he's a great run defender. Uh, very mean. Very mean at the point of attack. And uh, stout. Um, really stout player. And you also can tell that he plays with a lot of effort. Uh, and I think that that is something that they're probably trying to build. Jacksonville is that culture of of working hard and uh, really going after it uh, on the football field. So uh, Trayvon Walker, I think that they will go that route. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I think they've kind of settled or it seems like the thought process is on a defensive end. And as we already talked about, they may not necessarily be the best. There's not like a clear overall top player out of that position group. So it's really just who you want. And so if Walker gets selected first, 
I guess that means they think he has the most potential or the best fit. I don't know. But, yeah, interesting there uh, for sure. So, obviously, you can give your thoughts on that. But then I'll, you have the next pick. So, I guess that will kind of affect what you do with the Lions. Yeah, I think Walker is the most likely scenario at this point. There was a report, I think it was yesterday, that came out and said the Jags GM, Trent Balky does like Trevon Walker. He's been a guy that has focused a lot on traits, and that's something that Walker certainly has. And he Walker actually mirrors very closely um, the traits that Alden Smith had coming out um, when uh, Balky was the GM of the 49ers. And so I, I, I think this pick makes sense for the Jaguars. There was a report that their owner, uh, Saad Khan, I think is how you say his name, was um, more intrigued with the idea of taking Hutchinson. But I, I feel like the GM will win that argument and Walker will go one. And yeah, I'm with the second pick. Um, as the Detroit Lions, I will take Aiden Hutchinson. I think edge is their most pressing need. Um, Hutchinson isn't necessarily my favorite player in the draft, but I think he makes sense for the Lions. He certainly fits the culture that Dan Campbell is trying to create there up in Detroit. He's a Michigan guy. So I think this pick makes sense, and the Lions will be pretty happy if they can get Hutchinson at two. I think he's probably the safest out of any player that'll go one or two. I don't see him slipping past those. Now, I could be completely fooled, but I think he probably either goes number one or overall, or if not, the Lions are going to be really happy to get him. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, I think it's – I have mixed feelings about him as a player, but I I think it's really easy to draw the lines uh, between Michigan and Detroit. So I think that if he's there, it's almost a no-brainer. And he does seem to fit the Dan Campbell vibes – uh, that the Lions uh, really put off uh, as a actually really interesting team last year. I'm kind of excited to see what they do next year. All right. I have the number three pick. It's the Houston Texans. This is kind of an interesting one because they have the three and 13th pick. So you can kind of go a couple different ways here, but I'm going to go based on what me and Sully talked about, talked about as our favorite overall player, or, and I'm going to say they, they pick uh Kwanu, Ekema Kwanu as uh, the third overall pick, get their offensive tackle. Um, I personally think that you have to go with just best available if you have needs all over your roster. And the Texans have holes everywhere. Um, You could even make an argument that Davis Mills as their quarterback is not really, you know, they maybe think he has something. So I think they should go best available, and that is a Quanu to me um, there at the offensive tackle. But it's also rumored they could – you know, take another defensive end as well. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, but that, this is where I think and y'all can, you know, with your next pick show this, this is where the draft kind of could diverge in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, with the fourth pick, I think that the Jets can think a couple different directions. They obviously need a lot of help. Uh, and I think that corner might be their biggest need. Um, but I could really see them taking a receiver here uh, to kind of build around Zach Wilson. Um, but I think the best move for them and something they'll really strongly consider is taking Ahmad Gardner. Uh, so that's who I, I'm going to take for them. Um, Ahmad Gardner, I think, is the best corner in this class and will really help their defense, uh, can really lock down uh, one side of the field and really fits. If you want to play man, if you want to play zone, he can kind of he can play either system because he has a lot of skills and is long enough to be that uh, really good zone uh, cover corner. Yeah, I think, I think sauce is a realistic pick there for sure. And um, the jets obviously have a lot of needs 
to fill there. So it'll be interesting to see um, where they decide to go. And to me, that seems like a spot where they just go best player on their board and, mm-hmm. um, and live with the fit regardless. And yeah, I think um, th- we, we came really close to, I think the giants doomsday scenario, which I don't think we had here, but I, I think to me, the giants are, should be hoping that one of Aquanu or Neil is available to them at five to sure up their offensive line. And in this case, I am going to take Evan Neal at five to go to the giants. They, their offensive line is just in rough shape. They need to add um, some youth on the outside for sure. And I think Evan Neal is that guy. There's, there's a lot of people that are split between he and Aquanu as the number one overall tackle. And I think there's good arguments for both of those um, picks to be made. There's, there's, if Gardner does fall to five, I think there will be some consideration for, for him at five as well with the Giants. Um, and I, there, there have been some rumors that both um, the Giants and the Panthers both do like Charles Cross a lot, um, the tackle out of Mississippi State. Um, but I'm going to go with Neil. I think he's a much better player, and, and I think the Giants will take him at five. I think it's it needs to be said very quickly about the three picks that we just made, that all of those teams have first-round picks almost immediately after they select this one. So they could, you know, wait for the position that we selected for them with their next pick. And that's what's so difficult to project is like, is New York going to try to wait till seven to get an offensive lineman or is the Jets going to wait till 10 to get, you know, a corner? That's what's really hard to go with there. So that's where I think we could see some variation for sure. I have six and I have the Panthers. <laughs> um, this is really difficult because to me, it's it's like, do they want Malik Willis or do they not? And that's or another or Kenny Pickett. Uh, I've seen him mock there as well. I think because of the way their team is and Matt Rule, I'm gonna say they take a chance on Malik Willis. I, I think they, I think they, if not, if they don't, I think they're gonna be they're gonna be made fun of, if you will. And wh- whoever they pick is not gonna generate enough buzz. And so if you take Willis, that's what's going to happen. Whether or not that's a good pick or not, I don't know. But I'm going to say they take Malik Willis, and I could be completely wrong about that. Yeah, one thing I do I do think that about that pick is generally when GMs or coaches are on the hot seat, they're more likely to do crazy things that mm-hmm. might end up working out to save their job. And so just like – you know, I think Chicago last year, they trade up to get fields, hoping that maybe he's kind of the savior and they can um, and Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace can add a couple years onto their tenure with the Bears. I do think it's possible that they take that swing and say, you know, if it doesn't work out, we're not going to be here much longer anyways. So um, so let's try. Let's just see. And I, I think they're more likely to take that risk if um, both the top offensive tackles are off the board. Yeah, I actually think that that's a very realistic scenario. And if they do go quarterback there, I'd much rather them go an interesting route like Malik Willis um, or even Matt Corral over like a Kenny Pickett. So, yeah. um, I've got the seventh pick. And uh, so this is interesting because I also – I have the Giants uh, picking seven. And I had pretty much in bold – big letters that they had to take an offensive tackle, but they've done that. Um, I had to consider uh, that that was a uh, realistic uh, chance with them picking fifth uh, and so they got them a, a tackle. So I think that they have a lot of things in play here. I think that they potentially could trade down depending on what the board looks like. Um, 
I think that they do need an edge, and I think that here uh, Thibodeau makes a lot of sense. Uh, I don't think that he falls much past this spot uh, as much as some people have knocked him for various reasons throughout the process. So I, I got them taking uh, Thibodeau here. Yeah, I think I think Thibodeau, this is his range right here. I've heard that um, McShay talked about today that he had heard the Falcons are really high on Thibodeau as well. And, and so this seems to be the range um, somewhere around um, from seven through nine where he's likely going to end up. And I think this makes sense for the Giants. Um, really, um, at this point, unless you're super high on Devin Lloyd or another linebacker, um, or or the Giants like Stingley, I think those are probably the other most likely options there. Um, but yeah, I think Thibodeau makes a lot of sense. And now with um, with Thibodeau off the board, which is who I think the Falcons likely would have selected at eight, um, I'm going to go ahead and take my favorite receiver in this class. The Falcons do have a pressing need there. I mean, I think Jamison Williams can really mm. fill that void to me. And I'll just go on a little rant about Williams. He was a very highly rated, you know, towards the end of the season. Um, I thought he was clearly the best wide receiver in this class. And then he tore his ACL. And it was really weird after that because people acted like this ACL injury was going to be something that harmed him for the rest of his career and was really going to impact him down the road. And that, I just don't really think that's the case with ACL injuries anymore. I mean, guys come back in nine months fully recovered and ready to go. And it sounds like Williams is right on track with his recovery. I think this guy is super explosive and fits well with Kyle Pitts um, in that Falcons offense. And to me, he's still the best receiver in this class, even if he misses a couple weeks at the beginning of his rookie season. I think the big play threat he offers is just unmatched compared to um, to other guys in this class. And he's he's got the explosiveness where I think it's worth taking him at the top 10. And I think also uh, Jameson Williams, I would agree he's my top receiver um, because there's also a lot of polish to his game. He's not all uh, he's not only like, OK, every now and then he's going to catch a deep ball. He's a good route runner, too. And. The biggest thing you can say about him, he is a football player. They put him at gunner for a reason. I mean, he I think you could put him at safety and he'd make a lot of big plays. Um, but yeah, Jameson Williams, I, I could go on for a long time about him. Yeah, I think with the Panthers and the Falcons, which obviously they don't have to go quarterback, but the Falcons, you could go so many different ways. It's just pick your poison because they kind of need a receiver. So that it's just whichever one they can get. And I'm I'm with y'all both that Jameson Williams was kind of the undisputed number one wide receiver before he got hurt. And like Sully's saying, it's kind of like, well, I guess we have to drop him because he's injured. And I know you don't really know how he's going to look after, but yeah, talent-wise, it's he's up there with, you know, any of them. So I don't really understand that. So I don't know if they'll take him at eight personally, but I do agree that he probably should be looked at as the best wide receiver in the class. All right, number nine for the Seahawks um, is tough because I think ideally they would love it if Neil or Aquanu somehow made it to them. And I've actually seen him mock to, to them by a lot, one of those mocked to them by a lot of people. But we've, we've already taken them off the board. Um, they don't really have a good defensive end. Um, so I think in this situation, I don't know what exactly they do, but I'm going to say they take Jermaine Johnson um, from Florida State. Once again, like y'all mentioned, he transferred from you know Georgia. Obviously, just at another would have been another insane um, you know pick on that defense. He's six five, two fifty four, got great size, um, and he's really you know long and rangy. So I think you know he has the he could have the ability to kind of be 
one of those guys, if he develops into a three-down, you know, defensive lineman, that's really good. But, you know, he's kind of one where we don't know exactly how good he's going to be. So I think ideally the Seahawks would get an offensive lineman here, uh, either Aquanu or Neil. But if not, I think they'll, they'll probably go Jermaine Johnson. Yeah, Johnson's interesting. I think um, I personally wouldn't take him that high. But I think at this point, if you're not in love with take, the idea of taking a safety, um, if you're not in love with Charles Cross or Derek Stingley Jr., who I think are the best players at their respective positions remaining right now, then you do just have to go down and take the best available edge. And Johnson is the next guy that's one of those true pass rushing types. So I think if there is a run on those edges early um, and Thibodeau doesn't get to them at nine, um, there's a there's definitely a chance Johnson will slide up if a team um, in this range is looking for an edge. Yeah, and I actually had a couple of teams around this uh, this spot. Like, I think that they, I, I kind of think that he will go uh, top ten because uh, I think a couple of these teams will really consider him uh, as a prospect. And actually, I, I think at ten, the Jets would consider him if he's still on the board there. Um, so I had them taking corner at four, and here I think at ten. I think they do turn their attention to offense. Uh, they got to get Zach Wilson some more reliable weapons. They spent a lot on receivers uh, in free agency, but they didn't really add anybody who's going to be that dominant threat. I think I think here you could think about uh, Alave Wilson from Ohio State, but I actually think that Drake London, I, I personally wouldn't take him this high, but I think that they could see him as a really good fit with Zach Wilson's game because Zach Wilson has a lot of uh, uh, run around, throw the ball down the field and Drake London can really excel as a vertical threat and uh, going up and getting those balls Zach Wilson's going to put in play for him. Uh, so I'm going to give them Drake London here. I think the other thing that makes sense with London and I agree, I don't think I would take him this high personally either, but when you look at the receiving core that they have already with Elijah Moore being their other primary threat threat, he is like the exact opposite player that London is. Yeah. You know, he's the really small. He's like five nine, whereas <laughs> London is about six five. And um, Moore is much more explosive. London doesn't necessarily have that high end speed, but can win. He turns 50-50 balls into like eighty twenty balls. Mm -hmm. So I, I think he would be an interesting add. And I I agree. I think the fit with Wilson um, is interesting for sure. Clay, do you have anything to add on that pick? I think once again, it just goes to show you with what these teams like like for instance which wide receiver is going to fit best here I've seen Garrett Wilson you know they say as a wide receiver he would complement more and Davis well but London would as well so it's just which one do the Jets like better and that's what's so hard about like picking these wide receivers because it's it's yeah. all up to the teams you know uh, and unless you're sitting like. in the war room and really hearing them talk about these players it's all speculation on our end right yeah, I mean, you know, Drake London could have said something in an interview that they didn't like, and, you know, that mm -hmm. could take him out. But from a fit perspective, you know, it makes sense. All right, so I think you got 11, right? Yeah, so this is um, Washington Commanders. They – I think some of their most pressing needs are, you know, offensive tackle, maybe another wide receiver, and then um, maybe a corner, um, a DB. I'm going to go with Kyle Hamilton here. Yeah. I think there have been some rumors that he – um, that Washington does like him as a fit with their defense. Um, personally, I would have a hard time passing up at St on Stingley at this point. I just think he's um, a little too talented to continue to slip. 
Um, but I think Hamilton fits what Washington is trying to do a little more. And because we've heard that sourced and linked to them, um, I'm going to go with Hamilton. I think both those guys are just as talented as each other, to be honest. Um, I'm, I might find a corner a little more valuable, but Washington seems to like Hamilton. And I don't, I think teams are going to be hesitant to take a, um, maybe an off the ball linebacker like a Devin Lloyd or a Nicobe Dean this high. So I'll, I'll go with Hamilton at, at 11. Yeah, I think this is where we're getting to the part of the draft where you get a, re- a lot of really good value picks already um, because Hamilton, like y'all said, could be one of the better overall prospects. I have 12, the Vikings. This is the easiest pick for me so far. I think that Derek mm-hmm. Stingley would really match them well. Not only is he not going to have to change col- or colors from college to NFL, but they already have a lot of LSU guys on there anyways, and – I think the Vikings have been searching for a corner the last several years. They took Cam Dantzler. Um, you know, they they tried to bring in Patrick Peterson. And, uh, you know, you can argue whether, you know, he's really what they need or not. Um, but I think Stingley would match up well here. And they're, they're hoping that he's a corner they can throw on one side of the ball and be like, okay, you're our cornerback of the future for a couple years. So I think that's a pretty fairly easy pick. And you're getting – it's not like you're losing value there either. Yeah, I'm, I'll do my Stingley rant because I'm probably higher on him than everybody else. But <laughs> I, to me, I think the 2019 season, I know that's two years ago, was one of the best cornerback seasons I've seen, not from a freshman, but just from anybody in recent history. And it's come out recently, and, and this is the reason you're starting to see him climb up boards. I think actually the news has been so negative on him that it might surprise some people that teams in the top 10 are really considering him. And there's been some – Um, buzz even in the top five that he has a chance to go there um, as recently as this week teams are starting to figure out that he was playing through an injury for most of his career honestly after 2019 he had the Liz Frank issue last year and that starts to explain some of the flaws you did see with him with some of the tentativeness in terms of tackling um, lack of physicality to me he is just so fluid in the way he moves and his ball skills are so good I think he has a couple traits that you just don't see with 99% of prospects coming out and I'm willing to take a chance on him because of that. There's certainly a chance that these red flags that we've seen show up in college come back to bite him, but I think there are real explanations for them and and I'd be willing to take a risk. Yeah. And I think ideally for these teams at 11, Kyle Hamilton and 12 uh, Stingley, I think that if, the board falls that way, then Washington and Minnesota will run to the podium with those picks. They just make too much sense for the team, for the fit. And there's, I think that there have been reports uh, about both of these players. um, If if I'm, if I'm correct, uh, matching with those teams. So I I think that that's a very likely outcome. If they're still available, that they'll end up there. Uh, So 13, um, the Texans, I think, have the worst roster in the NFL. Uh, you could make a case for a couple other teams, but they really – they'll be in play for almost anybody, whoever they, is highest rated on their board. They have needs all across the field. I don't think you can point to many uh, positions besides maybe left tackle that they are they have completely locked down. Uh, but I think, uh, I think Chris Olave uh, or one of the other receivers, but I, I think Chris Olave – is the best receiver on the board and they'll strongly consider a, a good playmaker. Yeah. Interesting. That's, that's where I think the wide receiver 
just entire class is one of the most interesting things, in my opinion, to follow throughout this entire draft because I think there's going to be some teams that have Olave or Wilson at one, and I think there's going to be some teams that might have Olave or Wilson at five or six on their big mm-hmm. board. And so that's it's going to be really interesting to see how these teams maneuver themselves. And I I would guess that they're going to have to do a lot of intel gathering to try to figure out where these guys are going to end up falling. Because, you know, if there is a team such as a Philadelphia that has ammo that's super high on a guy like Jamison Williams, maybe they try to move up and get a guy like that if they know he's going to go top 10. So, yeah, I think Houston definitely needs some playmaking on the outside, and that pick makes sense for them. Clay, you have anything to add? Yeah, I think it's interesting there because I feel like I kind of messed up the board with my with taking a Quanu for them third because they might if they don't take if they don't take an offensive lineman with the third, I probably think they go Charles yeah. Cross here. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see if they do go offensive lineman third and not edge rusher. You know how the board ends up stacking up, but yeah, because I really don't know where they go specifically. Like they could go wide receiver, they could go somewhere else. Like they just have needs everywhere. So, yeah, I apologize. And I, I actually think that your pick is very likely for them, Aquano. Yeah, yeah, because I don't think you're gonna know. You don't know exactly how the board is gonna shake out. Yeah, and so I think getting one of the top two offensive tackles is more valuable than trying to get lucky with maybe. Uh, and get getting the best wide receiver on your board yeah um at at three but all right I've got the Ravens pick this is my team I will be happy if this is what happens honestly I think I need to root for as many receivers going early as possible because I just don't think that's what the Ravens are going to draft so more of this talent can get towards 14. I think the two guys that really should be in consideration here are Jordan Davis and Charles Cross um the Ravens do can, you know, you can always have more help at offensive line. I think this is the point where Cross would start to go. I'm going to go Jordan Davis. I think he is more of an elite talent than Cross. I think he has high-end potential, and I'm going to trust that he has the ability to stay on the field more than he did at Georgia and play a consistent workload. Um, they might be one of the scariest teams getting off the bus with he and Calais Campbell manning the middle of that defense, and I think he fits right in as kind of a transition point as Campbell – starts to enter into the latter stages of his career. Um, We know the Ravens are – they've been one of the best run defenses in the NFL for the past few years, and I think Davis um, continues to bolster that as well. And the – really the reason I wouldn't – and I'll explain why I didn't take Cross. They recently got good news on offensive tackle Ronnie Stanley that he should be back for next season after being out for the majority of last year. I think that gives them a little more confidence in their offensive tackle positions and allows them – to bolster a defensive line that wasn't great last season. Yeah, and the upside is just so hard to pass on with Jordan Davis. I mean, you have a man that size moving as quickly as he does, not just fast. I mean, we've seen him chase ball carriers down across the field at 350 pounds, but also the quickness to get inside and beat blocks. You obviously have the concerns about being a two-down lineman, but it's going to be hard for some somebody to pass on. And I think that he will go pretty high because somebody's going to bet that they can, uh, they can really turn them into something special. Yeah, I agree with both of you. This is definitely where the point in the draft where it's like, we're kind of creating yeah. it now because we're mixing and matching because if it doesn't go the way we've said, then probably none of this happens. Um, but yeah, I think Jordan Davis is a really good pick for them there. 
Um, I have 15 at Philadelphia. Another thing I will mention as we get to the Eagles, who did have three first-round picks and now only have two based on the trade they made with the Saints, um, we just don't know what's going to happen trade-wise. Like There could be a team that moves up and, and shakes up the board, and there's a completely different team that drafts in one of these spots we already have as well, so you have to consider that. But if everything shakes out the way we've said it, I think at 15, the Eagles will be really happy uh, to select Trent McDuffie, and that's who I'm going to take for them. Um, they don't really have another cornerback opposite of um, Darius Slay there, and I think he's a really good tackler, and, he, and he's really good in coverage too. Um, and so I think that would be really good for them. They would have you know a pretty lockdown cornerback duo there. Um, for both of them so that's who I would think they would take at 15 also it's interesting as I'll talk I have them at 18 as well I'll go ahead and say what I'm going to select they need a wide receiver so I think they either do that here or at 18. Yeah I agree I think McDuffie makes a lot of sense for them I also think that's the smartest pick at 16 because I think that has the biggest drop off after McDuffie Um, it seems like there is a gap between McDuffie and the top two guys and it seems like most teams um view it as a, at least a decent gap before you get to the other defensive backs later on in the draft. So I think that makes sense for Philly to grab him, especially before um, the Saints and the Chargers pick, because I know as somebody who was looking for somebody on for the Chargers, McDuffie was a guy I was hoping would fall to 17 for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think corner just makes too much sense as a fit for them. And, you know, McDuffie is a guy that probably will be going in this range. So I, I think you can match those things up very easily. All right, so or is it John? John, you yeah. Got oh, sorry about that. Yeah, uh, sixteen. I got the Saints. Um, this is a tough pick. Uh, picking what I think they will do. I think ultimately with the picks, I just have a weird feeling that they're going to try to maneuver for a quarterback. But assuming we're not trading, um, I kind of think that they'll uh, sit still and take a an offensive tackle, uh, which is interesting because Charles Cross is on the board. Um, I don't think that he'll make it this far, probably. Uh, but if he does and he has in this scenario, I think that they'll take Charles Cross. Yeah, yeah, like you said, I don't know if he'll make it this far. So if he doesn't, then you're probably, I would guess, assuming yeah, at Trevor Penning, which I'm sure will get him off the board. But just to mention him, that's where a lot of people have mocked him and to as Seattle. Or I actually think Trevor Penning makes a lot of sense for them. It feels like a pick that they'll make because he's that like ultra athletic offensive tackle, and they've taken those types before. I mean, Teron Armstead was one of those types, uh, and he's of course who they're trying to replace. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. All right, before we, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think Cross is a guy, and this is this is what's difficult about doing a mock draft, is especially this year where the talent feels very flat. I think no matter who fell to. This, this area, you know, 15, 16, there's going to be a couple guys that fall that don't feel like they should be down in that range this year. And I think this is where teams are going to be really mobile. You know, both of y'all have mentioned the idea of trades at this point. I think there's going to be teams that have cross rated as their number one tackle on their board that view, will view this as a chance to go get their guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially in the middle of the first round, I think you're going to see a lot of movement. Yeah, I agree. Like you said, we just have no idea how that board is going to shake out trade-wise, and we can pick players all day, but it's really team need at this point, and so whatever team is there, it could it could change. All right, we're halfway through the first round, 16 picks in. Before 
We make the 17th pick with Soli. We're going to take another quick break very quickly, and then we'll come back and wrap it up for our first-round NFL mock draft. All right, we're halfway through our mock draft. As I mentioned, Soli is now on the board with the 17th pick of the draft. I believe that is the Los Angeles uh, Chargers. Um, obviously, we mentioned so many times now in a row Trades could happen. I know this is a trade spot potentially for the Chargers, but solely if all remains the same with our board now, who do you like the Chargers taking at 17? Yeah, the two guys at at this point, at least on my personal board, that I still have um, available that are above kind of the rest of the group is Devontae White and Devin Lloyd. And I think the Chargers do have a need at linebacker, which I will fill with Devin Lloyd at this point. Um, Lloyd is another one of these guys that um, in in this draft that I feel is – really talented, really athletic, um, has a great range and can do a variety of things from the linebacker position. Um, I know usually these guys don't go super high in the first round, just that um, people don't feel like um, there's as much value in selecting a linebacker as highly, but I think this is the point where it starts to make sense and I'll, I'll match him up with the Chargers at 17. Yeah, I think they they would have several different options here. I think, you know, Jordan Davis has been mocked to them. So if he were to somehow fall to this point, it'd be, I think, mentioning him as well for a potential selection. But, yeah, they have several options that they could go with here. Um, John, you got any comments before I, I pick number 18? Yeah, I think to your point, I think if Jordan Davis is here, this is maybe his floor, which uh, means somebody might want to come up and like trade above the the chargers to get him. Uh, but Devin Lloyd is another that depending on the team, he, somebody could fall in love with him and see some really great athleticism, some really good uh, traits on the field. And he could go a lot higher uh, just depending on what team falls in love with him. Yeah, for sure. All right. I got 18 with the Eagles. This is a little bit tough because I do think they could have, they might have gone, um, they could potentially go like Devin Lloyd if he falls here um, or Nakobe Dean. But I just think at this point, like a wide receiver is makes a lot of sense. And we haven't taken Garrett Wilson. I don't know how well exactly he matches up with what they want to do. But to me, this is, this is like way too far for him to drop probably. And they need Jalen Hurts more weapons still. So I would say Garrett Wilson here at number 18 for the Philadelphia Eagles. And like we said, at this point, it's just if you like a wide receiver, then take one. Yeah, and uh, to your point, Garrett Wilson dropping this far uh, may not happen. Um, But I think that there are a lot of wide receiver needy teams. Uh, From this point on, there there are a lot of teams that are going to really consider uh, this tier of wide receivers. Um, and uh, you're going to make it really hard for a lot of the teams I'm picking for, actually. <laughs> yeah, I think at this point, it, this is where I think we're going to see the biggest like up and down the board, too, trade-wise, is that there are several teams who could be like, oh, we like this wide receiver. We're going to jump ahead of some teams to get him. So, you know, that's something that I think you could really watch for as well. I think you got the 19th pick, John, with uh, New Orleans again. All right, so uh... – Yeah, I got the Saints again, and I think that they will really strongly consider receivers available at this point. And I think that I think that it's just really hard to trust anything with Michael Thomas at this point. I know he had he's had time to get healthy, but with with the changes that they've had going on there, I think that they will look to bring in a receiver. Uh, 
there's a lot of them gone already, but I think that a guy like Traylon Burks uh, kind of makes sense as a similar uh, – he does a lot of similar things to Michael Thomas, and that way you, you kind of have the replacement because he may end up getting traded. I know there have been, there's been talks about that in the past. Yeah. Yeah, Burks I think makes a lot of sense um, at this point. I, I like Burks a lot. I think he provides a lot of value after the catch, and we know the Saints in the past – have done a really good job of getting their ball, getting the ball to playmakers in space. You know, they've done such a good job with Kamara in the past of getting him the ball in positions where he can succeed. And I think Burks um, can be put in a similar position, obviously without Sean Payton now there. So um, we'll have to see how that changes, but I think Burks makes sense at the, at 19 with the saints. All right. Um, I'm at 20 with Pittsburgh. Um, maybe I should just take like a terrible player here to give the Steelers a bad player. No, uh, so all right. I think Wyatt has fallen fall enough for me. I had Demonte Wyatt tenth on my board. Um, the Steelers, I, I mean, they do have a pretty good defensive line already, but I think they could add some depth there. Um, especially as Cam Hayward continues to age, um, getting somebody else on the interior of that defensive line would be helpful for them. And I think Wyatt at this point is just a value play for me, and I, I would be surprised if he makes it this far. Yeah, I, I think. Wyatt's another one that's really in play for the Chargers and also honestly potentially for the Ravens uh I, I think to your point I he is going to be hard for him to fall this far yeah I think the Steelers have a need there too at defensive tackle so um that would be a really really good pick for them um obviously just want to insert here quarterback has been proposed yeah. if Malik Willis doesn't go early could go here yeah if Willis um, was on the board I would have taken him here Right. Obviously, I, personally, I'm of the belief if the Panthers don't select him, somebody's going to jump up and take him. It could be the Steelers. Who knows? But um, I don't think he's here at 20 either way. So, yeah, I think, you know, uh, Devontae White's a really good pick for them there. All right. At 21, we have the Patriots. And it, I once again, this is an easy pick for me. I'm going to go N'Kobe Dean. Um, this is one of those where it's like everybody says that he's dropping um, and could go like in the second round. I think this is one of those things where Bill Belichick – it's like we're handing him a, like, I told you so pick. Like, everybody is, like, doubting the Kobe Dean, and then Bill Belichick takes him and makes him look amazing. And I think he's just the perfect Patriots player, obviously. Um, you know, works really hard, really cerebral on the field. Uh, and I think – I don't know. I don't think Belichick would try to outsmart himself here. I think this is pretty simple, and he, he would really like Nicobe Dean if they got him. I also think if Devin Lloyd is still here, he, he could go him too. I think either linebacker he'd be happy with. Yeah, and Nicobe Dean just feels like a Bill, Bel Bill Belichick player. Uh, they've been linked to him. Uh, they definitely could use uh, – they they actually – they have a lot of needs right now. But I think, to your point, really good player. People are starting to question certain things, and it seems like a classic Bill Belichick just takes the guy that we knew was good. Yep. Yeah, the one thing I will add that I think is interesting and will indicate a shift in philosophy is the Patriots for a long time have targeted much bigger linebackers. You think about the guys like yeah. Dante Hightower. Um, Bentley is another guy like that. Um, but the problem is those kind of guys just aren't really around anymore, and we talked about that earlier when discussing Dean. So I think this would indicate a shift in philosophy from New England, but it seems inevitable that that's going to have to happen at some point. So, yeah, I think I think Dean makes a lot of sense for New England. We know they target versatile, smart players, and I think that's exactly what N'Kobe Dean is. 
All right, John's got number 22 with the Green Bay Packers. I know what Aaron Rodgers wants to take care of, but what does John <laughs> want to take? Uh, yeah, I think they have a lot on their mind. I think that hopefully they, for them, uh, one of the receivers we've already taken gets pushed down this far. I think that uh, that's not likely. Um, and I think they'll also consider interior uh, defensive line. I think that they could go a guy like um, maybe Perry and Winfrey, but I'm actually going to give them to Marvin Leal here from Texas A&M. Uh, they, they have a need at receiver, but I think that they might address it with their other first-round pick. I agree. I think if, if the board falls the way we have it, I don't love another receiver quite yet. Yeah, this is interesting because I, I don't love Leal or Winfrey, but there's I mean, there's not an, another like interior defensive guy, I think, at this point that you would take over them. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the Packers um, do at pick 22 if they decide um, to try to wait to target a receiver later on. Yeah, and I think potentially it could be a trade-down spot based on the guys that we have available because they might look at their board and say, okay, we don't want to pick anybody at this spot. There are some good players, but not anything that we're looking for right now. Yeah. All right, so I'm at 23 with the Cardinals. Um, I'm going to go with yet another defensive lineman here. I think George Karloftis is um, the pick here for Arizona at 23. Karloftis yeah. is one of the more polarizing guys – in this class, there's some people that don't think he really belongs in the first round. There's some people that think he is a top 10 pick. Um, there's some questions about, you know, his production and just what role he plays at the next level. I think this is a guy that can – I think I think he can be good at two things more than he's bad at both, if that makes sense, um, and, and that he can play a little bit on the edge and shift inside. Um, you know, as J.J. Watt gets older, that's going to be a place where – um, Arizona is going to have to um, replenish a little bit. And um, I had, I had Carl Loftus at 15th on my board. So I think with him falling, I'll, I'll slot him in at 23. Interesting for sure here. And I think the Cardinals also would like to go if like Traylon Burks is still on the board, I think they'd like to him as well. So it just really is who's going to be there. It's funny because the Cowboys at 24, I think would really want Carl Loftus as an edge rusher. Um, and so I think they're kind of looking at that position too. There's some interesting options here. It's just really who do you want to take a chance on? The Cowboys have a history of going like really athletic upside types of defensive end. Um, so I'm going to say they take, um, oh, I don't want to butcher his name, but Arnold Evakite um, from Penn State. Um, you know, they just lost Randy Gregory uh, to the Broncos, obviously wanted to bring him back. Not saying that Evakite is that type of player, but I could see them trying to replace uh, kind of his production in the future with somebody uh, like Ibukite from Penn State. Yeah, I think that edge is going to be one of the positions they really strongly consider, uh, and I think that that's definitely a, a possibility. Uh, I think that they may also consider offensive line with the way yeah. that theirs has been kind of yeah. uh, slowly taken apart the last few years. Um, so that may be in play, but uh, just depending on who they like and uh, where the board falls, um, definitely a, a good chance that happens. Yeah, I think this is a good example of what happens when you see a run on a position. Um, Ebiquette, I think, is a guy that most people think is going to be somewhere on the edge of the first round. But if the Cowboys need an edge and all of these guys come off the board, like Karloftis um, and all these other guys we've already taken earlier in the draft, 
Um, I think it's pretty reasonable to take him here at 24. All right, John, you got the 25th pick with the Buffalo Bills. All right, so the Buffalo Bills, uh, they're in a, a, a really good spot with their roster. They don't have a ton of needs, but I think that the one glaring one that they're looking at is corner. Um, they really need and, – and you can maybe throw uh, just defensive back in there generally, but I think uh, corner is where they'll look. And uh, Andrew Booth, I actually have a lot higher on my board. I think he's a, a much – better player than this spot and this is a really good place for him to be because he's going to be in a really good defensive system Uh, so I think they'll take Andrew Booth if he's available yeah I think they'll go some form of defensive back here whether that be Booth who is true corner if he's not there I could also see them maybe going Daxton Hill Um, that's a little bit of a of a leap but um, you know, he's a defensive back as well that has a lot of talent. But, yeah, I think that you're def- your head's definitely in the right place position-wise. All right. I think – all right, I'm at 26 with Tennessee. Um, I know on the quarterback podcast I mentioned Desmond Ritter's possibility here. I'm not going to do that. Um, I personally wouldn't. And I, I think Tennessee is still looking to contend at this point more than playing for the future. Um, I'm actually going to go with a guy that I'm a little higher on at this point, but I think is realistic here. And, and that's Christian Watson. He's a receiver out of North Dakota state. Um, I, I like him a lot. I think he's, um, I think he's undervalued and I think he belongs in the tier um, with these other top receivers more so than uh, more so than separated in the second round, even if I wouldn't necessarily take him over guys like Olave and Wilson. Um, I do like him over Dotson as well. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go Christian Watson. Tennessee's in need of some playmakers after, Losing Corey Davis and the Julio Jones trade not really working out as as anticipated. Um, so I, I think he's a good insurance plan as well if you do end up losing A.J. Brown later on and um, fits Tennessee's system pretty well. Yeah, I agree with that. I think we're getting to the point now where it's um, maybe it's just taking a chance on somebody a little bit here at the end of the first round. I like Christian Watson as well, and he's kind of that – in the mock's eyes, maybe in that second tier of wide receivers that we've already kind of gotten past those main guys, but I agree with you. He definitely could, could be up there as well. And as the, right, I have, oh, sorry, okay. as the big guy uh, who has just crazy athleticism, uh, somebody is going to like want to take a chance on him. Mm-hmm. And um, right now I have the Packers in a couple picks at 28. I would have given them Christian Watson at that point. He seems like a, a really good replacement for Devontae Adams. Yeah, I agree there. And he runs super fast. He ran like a 4-3 something. So he's yeah. got insane athleticism. At 27, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I think offensive linemen is, would be their play here. They lost both their starting guards and, and Marpet and Kappa. Um, so it's really who do they want to pick on the board. And I, I'm obviously not in their room. But personally, I'd probably say Zion Johnson here from Boston College. Uh, he was really good at guard last season. Um, and I think he could play center, so that they could kind of move him around wherever they want. But I do think they probably look at offensive linemen here. If a defensive tackle drops, I could see them taking one. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go Zion Johnson. I think this is weirdly one of the picks that you can pencil in more so than any other around this range just because I'm not sure how many other teams are going to be targeting guards at this point. And whether it's Johnson or Kenyon Green, I think it's really likely that one of those two guys ends up going 
to the Bucks. Um, they're they're thin at that at guard at the guard position after um, after last season. And I think they know their priorities to protect Brady and keep him healthy throughout the season. Um, so I think that pick makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's really just green. Which one they like better, Green or Johnson? I think. And uh, so yeah, it's just a toss up for me there. Um, so the Packers at 28, uh, they are now kicking themselves for not taking a receiver earlier. Um, they're kind of left with, uh, just whatever is left at this point. Uh, they don't really get their choice. Um, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of Dotson that might be in play for them, but, uh, I'm going to give them David Bell from Purdue, a guy who uh, is definitely an outside, uh, receiver, um, and they really they, they almost have to take a receiver uh, if for no other reason than just make Aaron Rodgers happy. Uh, try to keep uh, things in good footing as long as they can. Yeah, I think um, it's funny. Yeah, I, I think Watson is definitely somebody that these teams will be hoping to get in this range. I think the Chiefs are another team that probably um, in this range are hoping for him. And are going to have to look at other options. And I think Bell is definitely one of those. Um, that's a good one to consider. And so with the Chiefs here, the Chiefs have back-to-back picks. So I'll actually be making the first one and then Clay will be following my lead for the second. Um, so I won't give away the other people I was considering just to keep it interesting. I, let's see what I'll do. I'm going to go Dax Hill here. I think Kansas City um, has a need there, especially um, if Tyron Matthew is um, no longer a member of their roster. And I, uh, I love Dax Hill's versatility. I think he's a guy, um, you know, I heard Mel Kuyper Jr. talking about, he thinks he can play um, some slot corner as well as playing safety. And if he was being evaluated as, as a slot corner, um, he believes he, he might even go higher in this draft. Um, he's really athletic. I think he can make a lot of plays for Kansas city and, we know for them, if they even have an average defense, that um, that's all they need with the offense they have. Um, it really doesn't matter what what who goes first between their picks at 29 and 30, but I'll take Dax Hill um, at 29. Yeah, it, it all depended on who you picked there because I probably would have gone him if you would have gone the other direction. I'm of the belief personally that at 29 and 30, I think they're going to trade up. I, I think so. Uh, to maybe try and get a wide receiver. Um, that's just my opinion. But if they don't, then I do think they try to take one here. I know you said you don't love Jahan Dotson, but I think he makes sense for them. Um, he's kind of he's a really speedy guy out of the slot. He's he's definitely not Tyreek Hill. Don't get me wrong there. But I mean, obviously Patrick Mahomes likes weapons to throw to, and so Dotson would be uh, definitely one that that would be on the board here. So I'm going to go Jahan Dotson because I do think they would might be looking wide receiver. I read your mind incorrectly. I was going to – my goal was to get Dax Hill and George Pickens on the Chiefs, and I failed. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I would have taken um, Pickens there, I, but I think Dotson is – you know, Dotson's definitely a fair pick. I don't, I don't love Pickens, though, because of what they got in free agency. Um, getting Scantling and, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Pickens is kind of in that same mold, is he not? No, I think he is. I just – I personally just don't love Dotson. I think Pickens has a much higher potential. So I would just bet on the talent yeah. more so. And I think Pickens has much more of a potential to be like a true wide receiver one than than Dotson does. But I don't – like, I don't – I think either of those picks is fine with them. Like, I, I wouldn't have an issue with either, to be honest. Right. 
and I, I've, I, I think Clay is uh, maybe onto something. I, if they sit still and they take two players, I think whatever receiver they end up getting, they might prioritize speed just because they lost Tyreek Hill. Uh, Sky Moore is one to look at uh, in that uh, vein. Um, receiver from Western Michigan. Um, but yeah, it, it's an interesting place because I also would prefer George Pickens just in a vacuum as a player. Uh, and I guess that's what Clay was talking about earlier. We have to consider a lot about fit. What do we think these teams will do? It's not always what we would do. It's not always who we think is the best player to pick. But I do think that 31, if this player is here, the Bengals will be thrilled. Uh, I th- think that they will go uh oh sorry i just clicked out of my mock but i think they'll go linderbaum uh they i'm glad you were in the first round i was yeah yeah they are in desperate need of offensive line and center is definitely the uh the position that i would choose for them more than anything and linderbaum's a really good player i think you add him to that offensive line i i think that all of a sudden it looks with the the other moves they made this offseason it looks a lot more solid and they're prepared to make their uh, run again next year. Yeah, Linderbaum I had at 17th on my board, and you might be asking, well, why on earth did you not take him until this point? But he is he is a true center. Like, he cannot – he's I don't think his arms are long enough to pl- really play anywhere else. And so there are only going to be a select couple uh, – a select few teams that are even considering him. And I think, you know, honestly, I think the top end for him might be at 14 with Baltimore. They did lose – their yeah. center this offseason. Um, so I and I, I really wouldn't be upset with that. Like I think Linderbaum is going to be a pro bowler. Um, the question is just who who has a need for a center. And then a lot of people, which and I'm not going to pretend like I'm some offensive line expert, but a lot of people think he's going to fare a lot better in a zone, zone running system. And yeah. so the question is just going to be who has the need and where does he fit? So I, I think he's a lot better than the 31st best player in this class. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if he falls to this point, because just like we had in this exercise, there's got to be a need for the player. Yeah, and positional value comes into play. Uh, You're going to value a guard and definitely value tackle more than center. So I think he is a really good player, but that might get pushed down the board because of that. I've heard so much talk about Linderbaum on like podcasts and uh, on the radio because like people have said it, he's a guy who could be like an All Pro for ten seasons at center. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it's so like it's like why won't you take him then in the early first round? But it's just it's like you said, team fit. You know, you're not going to try to force uh, a center on your roster when you don't need one, and that's a, a position a lot of teams already have because you only need one of them. So I, I agree with y'all. I think if he's there, he'll go at thirty one. Yeah. All right. So I have the last pick of the first round. And then, Clay, I think you're also going to finish this off with the first pick of the second round um, right. in Jacksonville after. So Detroit did – we in our mock, at least, we have Detroit taking Aiden Hutchinson at two. So this is coming around now as their second pick of the first round. Um, I do think it's likely they end up with an edge, regardless of who it is there. And to me, one of their other major needs um, – Assuming that they don't go quarterback, which I'm not going to do, I just don't really like any of the quarterbacks enough to pull the trigger on that here. Um, I think one of their most pressing needs other than that is a defensive back, and so I'm going to go with my guy, Kyrie Elam, out of Florida. Um, I I like him a lot as a player. I, he, he definitely is not a perfect prospect by any means. He's not he's not a great tackler. He can be a little handsy, but he's got the physical tools. He's really long. Um, he's, he's really athletic. He tested pretty well. Um, and he he does have, I think, the ball hawk skills 
um, that could potentially allow him to become a good corner um, for the Lions. And I think this makes sense for them at this point. There's not necessarily um, another corner that um, I love for them to maybe wait until after Jacksonville um, picks, because obviously I think they do have the 34th pick as well. So I, I think it's smart to go ahead and grab Kyrie Elam at this point. Yeah, I think they'll definitely look at defensive back here. Um, I've also seen um, Lewis seen to them as well yeah. at safety. So I think they could go either way, but I know you're a Florida guy. I think they're, I think Elam could go earlier than we have him going too. I think some teams could really like him in that mid-20s range and could go. So interesting there. Yeah, I think so you're looking at – sorry. Like, I think Booth no, and Dax Hill um, and Elam are guys that could definitely flip-flop around in teams like Buffalo – um, and, and even Kansas City are teams that could could look at him as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So that was our first round. Uh, we're, we're not done. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more here just because there are so many guys that could go in and out of the first round. I have Jacksonville at 33. That's kind of where we're going to stop, but we're going to talk a little bit more. I'm actually, since we're done with the first round, I'm going to give two players here. Uh, Jacksonville has a need, I think, um, at edge rusher. Um, and I don't really love any, um, anyone here on the board. Obviously we've already selected, um, Trayvon Walker for them, but I also could see them going again and getting like, um, Boye Mafe from, um, Minnesota. But if not, my official pick would probably be, um, Kenyon Green, um, at offensive line. Like we said, he is one of those guys who could go in the first round, um, and I think a lot of people really like him at guard. And, and I think, once again, if you have needs everywhere, then this is a really good positional value. So I'd go Kenyon Green, but they could also try to go on the defensive line again. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense for them. And um, I, I think this, this is where it's going to be interesting here, especially with Detroit kind of sandwiching Jacksonville. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, Detroit's definitely going to try to figure out who Jacksonville is looking at it at 33 to try to make sure that they get the guy they want at 32, but also can come around and um, get a second guy at 34. So I think the end of the first round is going to be really interesting because this is also the spot, as we mentioned on the quarterback podcast, where you could be looking at a team like Atlanta or Seattle, if they don't take a quarterback in the first round, looking to jump back up and get that fifth year option on a guy. Uh, And so there's a chance that one of these teams, um, whether it be Kansas city, Cincinnati, um, maybe Green Bay or Detroit that, that looks to move down, let one of those teams take a first-round quarterback. Yeah. yeah, we've already talked about it at nauseum, but, you know, teams have this fascination with taking chances on quarterbacks. So I would not be surprised at all. We've already ob- we've obviously already analyzed the class, but if one of those teams tried to jump up into the first round, maybe select one, not saying it's going to happen, but I do think that's interesting. Uh, so to close today, and we're just going to kind of talk about the best of the rest, if you will, some sneaky prospects that we have to kind of kick off the discussion. I want to start with a player who I think I would kind of, um, relate to Jamison Williams, like we talked about. Um, and that's David Ajabo. I just want to get y'all's thoughts on him because he was a definite first round talent before, obviously that gruesome injury that, you know, there's video of, and everyone saw, um, you know, is he around this area here? Could he? I've seen him mock to the Lions next. Like, how good could he be uh, as an edge rusher? I think this is about the time where you should start to consider him. I, I, I went to forty players as I was ranking here just to kind of get an idea of um, the first round and a little bit after. And he was thirty-eight for me. 
I like him a lot. I would, I would take him in the second round. The concern obviously is that he was hurt. And not only is he hurt, the Achilles injury is more difficult to recover from. And he is a guy that needs that developmental time more so than other players. Like I think Williams can come back and, you know, okay, this guy's ready to perform at a high level. Whereas Ajabo was a lot more of, we see these tools and we can, we can develop them into being an overall great player. I think he will miss, like he will to him missing his first season will cause him more harm than it would most players, which is why I think the, the fall for him does make a little more sense, but I still think he has enough talent and athleticism that this is the time where teams should be considering him. Yeah. And uh, I think that he was definitely a no doubt first rounder before the injury. And you hate for that to happen to somebody, especially non-contact. Like it didn't happen in a game. Uh, it just happened on field during drills. Um, I think that this is probably about right. Maybe he falls a little further in the second round, but I don't know if he makes it out of the second round uh, because somebody's going to see the upside uh, that, you know, maybe he does come back from his injury and he puts it all together. Um, I would find it really hard to take a chance on him as much as you hate it for the guy. Like Sully said, it's hard to come back from the Achilles injury, especially at a position like edge rusher where you really need that burst. You need to be able to to get off the ball quickly and, and make cuts uh, uh, to set up your pass rush moves. Uh, it, it's just a really tough call. Yeah. All right, so let's very quickly here, let's close it out by talking about the best of the rest. I'm sure both of y'all have prospects we didn't select that you really like. So who are some players either, you know, just outside where we drafted that you really like or – even way down the list in, later in the draft that you think could end up being impact players? Yeah, so I'll run through a few quickly here. I'll try to go like Mel Kuyper Jr. style and run through a few that I like. So first, I think one guy that does deserve to go in the first round that might not is Quay Walker from Georgia. We talked about him and being viewed as pretty similar to N'Kobe Dean. Um, I do. I would take Dean over him, but I think they're very similar players, um, not necessarily in style, but in terms of just overall grade. Um, I think Walker was the only guy I had inside my top 25 that we didn't end up selecting in the first round. And I think he deserves to go in that point. Um, we mentioned George Pickens. I like him a lot. Um, Louis Seen out of Georgia is another guy that could go in the mm -hmm. first round with these teams looking at defensive back at the end of the first round. And I'll add two other guys that I, um, that I really like that I think we'll go a little later in the second round, but I'm a fan of Leo Chanel linebacker out of Wisconsin. Um, if a team is looking for a more physical guy, uh, at linebacker, you know, we, we talked about how New England likes to target those guys. If there's a team that wants a guy like that, I think there's a chance he could jump up a, a lot earlier than people think. He's a white Wisconsin linebacker, so nobody thinks he's athletic, but he really is. Like, he tested well. He's very athletic, and he's all around a good player. I think this is a guy that will outperform where he's picked. And then lastly, Roger McCreary out of Auburn. I think anybody who watched the Iron Bowl yeah. is probably going to come away with this opinion because he, because he was just dominant in that game. The concern with him is the short arms, but I think he showed enough on tape to where he can play through that. Um, I would also like him in an early second round pick. Uh, I, I love, well, actually I like a lot of the players you talked about, but Roger McCreary is one that I, um, at 25, the bills, I think he could go that high depending on how the board is. Uh, but I, I do think second round for Roger McCreary uh, seems ideal. Um, for me, I'm going to kind of run through a few like, uh, very athletic guys. Um, tight end, I'd, I don't feel really strongly about any tight ends this year, but I think a guy like Jelani Woods in the mid-rounds is like what you really want uh, in a tight end right now. 
I, he's got the massive size, 6'7", 260 pounds, reminds you of, of Gronk in size, but he also is one of the most athletic, uh, athletically tested tight ends uh, that we've seen. Uh, so tight end is a position where traditionally it takes a year or two to develop. So you take that guy in the mid rounds, uh, you sit him behind your starter, and you hope that he turns into uh, something special, like a, a Darren Waller who took a little while to develop but was an athletic uh, specimen. Um, we didn't talk about any running backs. We didn't actually have any mocked. Uh, and I think that's right. I think teams are starting to learn that, you know, it just yeah, makes we sense. The test. Yes, we did. <laughs> I think teams are really starting to learn that you wait. Uh, you wait and you take that running back second or third round. Um, you build a committee. But I think that there are some interesting guys. Kenneth Walker, I think, is a guy that you can kind of make your lead back. Uh, he's going to do everything well. Um, Pierre Strong is a guy that I think is uh, has a lot of upside. Uh, and, of course, Brees Hall. Uh, Brees Hall is maybe the best pure runner of the group. Um, but I think that Brees Hall definitely has a good role on a team next year. Um, and then I love my guy, Brian Robinson. He athletically doesn't have the upside. But I think you, you give him uh, a role as a power back. And uh, he can pass protect really well, which teams love. I think that as a mid-round back, he can latch onto a team and, and find a, a good solid role next year. Uh, and then the other guy that I'll talk about is a cornerback, Tariq Woolen, um, actually has risen a lot in the draft process. Was uh, ran a blazing fast forty. I think it was four two six. Is that right? Uh, yeah, but that, Tariq Woolen. Right. Yeah, Tariq Woolen, a guy that I think some team is going to look at and say, okay, this guy has all the physical skills. Uh, actually played pretty well last year too. Um, th I think that somebody will probably take him in this second round range. Yeah. 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 I, I like a lot of y'all's picks there for sure. So you're about to say something. Yeah. You, you were talking about running back. So shout out Damian Pierce. He runs extremely angry. And I think, I think he can fit in really well with, um, with, with the team as kind of a, um, a dual threat guy. And he's just, I don't know. I, I, I see him working out long-term in the NFL. Um, He's also mm -hmm. Dan Mullen. Maybe one of the reasons he got fired was how little he used Pierce throughout the season. <laughs> so he doesn't really have any mileage on him, which is probably appealing to to NFL teams as well. Um, the other thing I think that we should mention two guys that I think we might see in the first round: Bernard Raymond and Trevor Pinning tackles both. Yeah. Um, if teams do have tackle need at the end of the first round, um, I think those are guys that will likely fall in. I mean, we even mentioned Trevor Pinning as high as 19 with the Saints. So he, we, he did kind of fall on our mock, but I think both of those guys are, um, are are good tackles. And lastly, I'll mention Travis Jones, who is a, just a massive guy, I believe, at a UConn. Um, he is just a really fun player to watch. And if a team is looking for an explosive guy on the interior, I think you could see him go in spots where um, maybe DeMarvin Leal um, or guys like that could go as well. So um, that's the last guy I'll mention. Yeah, and it completely slipped my mind really quickly that Trevor Penning was still on the board. <laughs> and the Jaguar the Jaguars do have a need at tackle. So if he's there at thirty three, then they might go Trevor Penning. But in my mind, Trevor Penning's not dropping that far. Yeah. Um so um I don't know where he goes, but I doubt he goes at thirty three. Y'all pretty much hit on everyone I did I wanted I would hit on, except um the one guy I would talk about is Kyler Gordon, a cornerback from Washington. He's mocked very, very highly. I don't see him going that far past the first round if he doesn't go in the first round. Um, but, yeah, y'all hit on some of the positions. Obviously, like we said, running back, 
people are finally realizing, unless it's like a Christian McCaffrey, although he can't even stay healthy, it's not worth you know drafting them that mm-hmm. early. And at this point in the draft, you're taking guys that you like as as these teams do in, in evaluating you know their own needs. Obviously, the names don't mean a lot to a lot of our listeners. But also, I think you need to watch out for the quarterbacks here in the second and third rounds because I think you could see a, a run on those, and I don't think they slip very far past those rounds. So, um, obviously, we don't really know what's going to happen at this point because it's just a toss-up. But any more thoughts, guys, on the NFL draft this year? Anything, last thoughts we want to talk about team-wise or player-wise before uh, we close out this episode? Nope. I think we'll see a lot right. of trades. We kind of yes. alluded to that, but that's yeah. kind of maybe not early because we've seen that. I, I mean, all the reports are just like all the teams at the top of the draft are like, "Hey, does anybody want to trade?" And then all the teams in the middle of the first round are like, "No, we'll just take the good players that are sitting down here for it, us." So it really it, seems like it's. Go ahead. Yeah, it, it seems like there's not a lot of top end talent, and all of it's in the middle, and mm-hmm. all of those are the teams that have multiple picks. So that's perfect for all the trade scenarios. I think we could potentially set a record for most trades in the first round, but uh, that's that's at the, the high end of yeah. the, the scale. Yeah. So you heard it here first. Um, <laughs> this entire mock draft that we just did is going to be completely obsolete because everybody's going to trade. 32 <laughs> for 32 coming up Thursday night. You're Let's right. go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here for I it. Think- I think the position is what makes it so hard and we'll wrap up really quickly here, but with so many like teams needing wide receivers and so many wanting defensive ends, it's like, like we said, there are some of those guys like Linderbaum who should go earlier, but because a team need won't. And so that lends itself to a lot of trading. Um, I, yeah. So I think it'll be a crazy NFL draft. All right. I want to thank y'all guys so much for coming on. appreciate it. I really think, you know, we did a good job of, of evaluating team needs and, and hopefully, um, Sully got who he wanted for the Ravens. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like who I got for the I'll Cowboys, be happy if so. we get Davis. That'll be fun. Yeah, for sure. All right, I want to thank everyone so much for listening. That's going to wrap up our NFL draft uh, coverage. It starts this Thursday, obviously, with the first round, then the second and third round the next day, and then the last four rounds on Saturday. Um, so that's going to wrap it up for us here. Like I said, still hope to get a Braves preview out. Me and Sully, I'm sure we'll be talking more about the NBA playoffs coming up. And so expect that very soon. Thank you for joining us today, John. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. That's going to wrap it up for today's episode.